0: The epistle for this 13th Sunday after Pentecost is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. Brethren, to Abraham were the promises made, and to his seed. He does not say, and to his seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Now this I say, that the testament which was confirmed by God, the law which was made after 430 years, does not annul, so as to make void the promise. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of the promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Why then was the law? It was set because of transgressions, until the seed should come to whom he made the promise, being ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not of one, but God is one. Was the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could give life, verily justice should have been by the law. But the Scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by the faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Please stand for the Gospel. The Gospel is taken from the seventeenth chapter of the Gospel of Saint Luke. At that time, as Jesus was going to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. As he entered into a certain town, there met him ten men that were lepers, who stood afar off and lifted up their voice, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, whom, when he saw, said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were made clean. And one of them, when he saw that he was made clean, went back with a loud voice, glorifying God. And he fell on his face before his feet, giving thanks, and this man was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, "Were not ten made clean, and where are the nine? There was no one to found to return and give glory to God but this stranger? And he said to him, "Arise, go thy way, for thy faith has made thee whole. Please be seated." In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, when I was casting about in the past few days, trying to think about what I would talk to you about on this Sunday, because I'm sometimes the idea doesn't come very readily, I finally settled on, on an, a topic that is, that is old, and yet at the same time has a certain newness about it, because it's become suddenly relevant today, And that is the subject of communism. You know that Our Lady appeared in Fatima in 1917, right as communism was taking power in a country for the first time. In 1917, the Bolsheviks seized power in Russia and instituted a communist government there in Russia. And after that time, communism spread around the world. Russia spread her errors around the world. It was that same year that Our Lady predicted at Fatima that, that Russia would do that. And so communism spread to many countries throughout the world and made itself the ruling government, especially in Asia and South America. And in the last 50 years, it's seemed that that communists has, communism has died a natural death. That's been the impression, um, including in, in Russia when the former Soviet Union collapsed, and and also in East Germany, when when the Berlin Wall collapsed, it seemed that communism was waning and even perhaps had died. At the same time, in, in 2020, communism still lives on in countries like China and North Korea. It's making a comeback in countries like Spain and Portugal, and its activists are even appearing on the streets of the United States. As a result, communism today could perhaps borrow a phrase of of Mark Twain, um, who, who was said to have died in Europe, and he came back to the United States, and he said, the rumors of my death are greatly exaggerated. Communism would say the same thing about itself today. And the reason why I want to bring up this topic, besides the fact that it's becoming more relevant, is that my job is to make sure that you faithful maintain a supernatural spirit in whatever happens to you in this life. We have many people in our parents who are quite interested in politics, and there's certainly nothing wrong uh, in itself in that, for people to be interested in the social affairs of their own country. But what we must make sure is that our interest in politics does not outstrip our interest in our religion. Because when this happens, and I've seen it happen so many times in my whole life, I've grown up, I grew up as a traditional Catholic, I've seen it happen so many times to traditional Catholics that they become so interested in politics that they end up putting God into second place and slip into a certain naturalism, where too many of their hopes and concerns are rooted in purely earthly affairs. So what I would like to do today is just explain to you the two most important aspects of communism. Then I'm going to skip over the application of the principles, uh, to, and I'm not going to make an analysis of to what degree communism is present in the world today. I'm gonna to leave that to you to make that, that own application um, yourself. But I will go on to to talk about the main Catholic solution to communism. So the first aspect we need to, that I need to emphasize about communism is that it is a system of atheistic materialism. And I'm going to be quoting, relying heavily on the famous encyclical of Pius XI, Divini Redentoris, that was written in 1937 about communism so that you can understand that this is the real deal. This is not just Father Robinson speaking. This comes even from the Magisterium of the Church, the analysis that I'm going to give you about communism. Pius XI says in an encyclical that according to communism, there is in the world only one reality matter, the blind forces of which evolve into plant, animal, and man. The consequence of this is that the spiritual realm does not exist. There is, in reality, nothing whatsoever that is spiritual. The only reality is matter. And particularly, if there is nothing spiritual in reality, then purely spiritual beings, such as God, do not exist. That's why, by definition, any material system will be atheistic. If God is purely spiritual, and if there's nothing spiritual in reality, then there is no God. That's the logical result. Pius XI says, In such a doctrine, there is no room for the idea of God. There is no difference between matter and spirit, between soul and body. There is neither survival of the soul after death, nor any hope in a future life. Materialism, the idea that only matter exists, destroys the natural distinctions that we make among beings, where we arrange them in certain hierarchies. And we say that some beings are above other beings because, for instance, humans possess an immortal soul. That's what places us above plants and animals, the fact that we have a soul that is immortal. Or even the distinction between living things and non-living things. We say that, it, that living things like animals and plants are higher than non-living things because they have a soul that enables them, enables them to move on their own power. But if you believe that there is nothing spiritual in reality, then reality becomes soulless. There, is, there, is nothing, there, is, there are no souls in reality. As a result, not only are is, is plants and animals and humans all on the same level, but even living and non-living things are exactly on the same level. At the end of the day, for the materialists, everything, absolutely everything, is just clumps of matter. Full stop. The natural corollary of this idea that everything is purely material, material as a result is the doctrine of absolute equality, the idea that there are no higher beings and lower beings, that everything that exists is on absolutely and utterly the same level. So if, if a man is not higher than an animal, is not higher than a plant, if everything is just a clump of matter, then everything is the same and utterly equal. Communists, says Pius XI, hold the principle of absolute equality, rejecting all hierarchy and divinely constituted authority. Everything is absolutely equal. And because everything is equal and there is nothing that's higher and there's nothing that's lower, as a result, human beings are not bound to obey anybody or anything. It destroys every principle of obedience. There is not a God who is a supreme good above us, who establishes the law for our human nature. Our fellow human beings do not have any authority that they can claim that they've received from God. And as a result, you would say, I have no obligation to obey anybody in this life. I have a right to do whatever I want. Not only do the communists believe that absolute radical equality is a principle of reality, they also feel emboldened to enforce this principle, which of course does not have a basis in reality. Reality is very diversified. There is no equality in reality at the end of the day. There's no equality even between human beings. Every single human being is different. We all have our different talents and abilities. None of us is absolutely equal. But the communists think that all inequality is unjust. And so they go around enforcing their own justice by trying to make everything radically equal. And this is why communists do not allow for fi- private property. Um, if you look at Soviet Russia or you look at Soviet China, what have you, what they try to do is, is strip away from their citizens all possessions so that no one can possess land or no one can have ownership. Ownership makes some people be richer than others. It makes some people have power over other people. It makes, in other words, for inequality. So they want to get rid of all inequality. They destroy private property. They refuse to grant to their citizens the right, the ability to possess private property. Nor is the individual, says Pius XI, granted any property rights over material goods or the means of production, For inasmuch as these are the source of further wealth, their possession would give one man power over another. Precisely on this score, all forms of private property must be eradicated. My dear faithful, we really don't have time to to look at all the implications that this has for human beings and for the family. Because if, in fact, uh, men and women are very different, for instance, and communists see any inequality as unjust, then they will do everything that they can to eliminate the natural difference between men and women. The fact that men are made to be fathers, that women are made to be mothers, they will do everything they can to eliminate the family unit, to eliminate monogamous marriage, for instance. But we may wonder What makes communism so attractive? Because it's very attractive to a lot of people throughout the past 100 years. Millions of people have given their lives for the communist cause. Why do they do this? They do it because the communists come to people and they say, look, you are an oppressed class. There are people above you who are lording it over you, whether it be your employers, whether it be your mayor, whether it be your governor, whoever's in charge over you. Whoever has more power than you, it's all unjust, and I'm here to save you. I'm here to save you from this injustice. I will deliver you from your oppressors. Rise up. Shake off your chains. Rebel against those who are in authority above you, and we will set you free. The communist system, when it comes, will set you free from your oppression. So communism creates this victim class and then it rallies the victim class to rise up in rebellion against the supposed unjust oppression. It sees any class gradation, any differentiation between the citizens where some are higher than other, as an injustice and it foments class struggle. It has the classes war against one another in the hope that one day when they keep warring and warring and warring, eventually there will be no classes whatsoever you will have a classless society and they promise that when that happens we will have paradise on earth we will be living in paradise and it's this messianic vision that has inspired so many people to give their lives to the communist cause over the past hundred years the second important aspect to be understood about communism is that it is a system of dialectic materialism. Dialectic materialism means uh, materialism with two different sides. Dialectic means two sides, just like dialogues between two people. Dialectic is two sides. We can say that St. Thomas Aquinas, for instance, argues dialectically because in his Summa Theologica, he always sees every question from two sides. He gives the objections, he gives the other person's position, then he gives his position. By the fact that he's giving two sides, we may say it's dialectic argumentation. So for the communists, the communists, matter has opposing forces. There's these two different forces, and that these forces war against one another. They come into conflict. They come into con- continual conflict, and by this continual conflict, somehow matter evolves and reaches a higher state. Over time, by matter slamming against matter, matter reaches a higher state. Not individuals. There's never a situation where communists would say, some individuals are above others, or this aspect of reality is above that aspect of reality. Remember, they don't believe in that. But matter as a whole, the matter of the universe, reaches a higher state through a certain Darwinian struggle, the, the principle that Darwin has where Animals compete for food and plants compete for food and the winners those who survive are better than those who have died and Therefore you have biological evolution you have better animals and plants over time They apply that to economics. They apply that to human society They apply that to the universe that out of struggle and conflict comes evolution a greater higher state of matter in reality so what is their conclusion that if this is the case, if this is an accurate assessment of reality, that, that through struggle of of matter matter slamming against matter, we get a better world, what should you do? Well, if you want to improve the world, what you should do is foment struggle. What you should do is foment systematic violence. And to the degree that you're able to do that, eventually you will be creating a better world. Through systematic violence. Now this idea may seem utterly insane to you, and you might be saying to yourself, how could anybody possibly believe that the route to a better world is systematic violence? But Father Robinson is not making this up, so I want you to pay very close attention to what Pius XI says on this subject. He says, insisting on the dialectical aspect of their materialism, the communists claim the conflict which carries the world towards its final synthesis can be accelerated by man. Hence, they endeavor to sharpen the antagonisms which arise between the various classes of society. Thus, the class struggle with its consequent violent hate and destruction takes on the aspects of a crusade for the progress of humanity. On the other hand, all other forces whatsoever as long as they resist such systematic violence, must be annihilated as hostile to the human race. The communists go on a crusade of class struggle in order to bring about a paradise on earth and anyone who stands in their way is shut down. If you go out into a field and you're looking out over the field and it has been mowed for a long time, what you'll see is that there's inequality that some some weeds are kind of sticking out above, above the grass and some grass is lower than other grass. And what are you going to do if you want to make it all on the same level? You cut it down. You cut it all down. And this is what the communists think about society. What you do is you level society in order to initiate that enforced equality that they want and they feel is just and right and holy. So my dear faithful, this is the communist system, atheistic materialism, dialectic materialism. And the question that we have to ask, that I want to ask, is that if communism is having a resurgence in 2020, and if, as Pius XI goes on to say, it is intrinsically evil, then what should we do about it? What should you, as a Catholic who has a supernatural vision, want to do? What would you tell me? if I asked you, what should we do about communism? How should we react? And as I say, what I'm I'm afraid of, and this is, as I say, what I've witnessed with so many traditional Catholics throughout the whole of my life is that their first thought is, is often for a political solution to the problem of communism. They don't firstly see this as a spiritual problem. They're like, hey, Father, I think we need to watch more Fox News. I, yeah, that's that's going to help us out. Or I need to get out there on Twitter and, and make my voice heard. Or I, I need to do more political activism. Yes, that will help things out. And I'm not saying, of course, that these things um, are are bad of themselves. And, and I've, as I've already said, it's it's important for us to be involved in the life of our own society. But what I'm saying, what I'm even condemning, are those Catholics who focus far too much on the political arena, who spend far too much of their time in politics relative to this time that they spend on sanctifying their own souls and on their own religion, and who make the treasure and hope of their heart something merely earthly, something merely political, instead of something supernatural. Our own president said the other day and i quote in this country we don't look to career politicians for salvation in america we don't turn to government to restore our souls we put our faith in almighty god and this is precisely what i feel like sometimes i have to convince my own faithful that our real hope is in the supernatural order in the good God who is above all things and who has ultimate power, not in some merely earthly solution. When Our Lady appeared at Fatima and announced that Russia would spread her errors throughout the world and gave the solution to the three children of Fatima, she didn't say anything about politics. She said prayer, penance, the daily rosary. Those were the things that she mentioned. And it just makes sense. Let's just think about it. The only way you're going to be able to defeat atheistic materialism is by a godly supernaturalism. If if communism is all about the material and is sinking the world in the depths of materialism, then what we need are lots of people who have a deeply spiritual life. That is the real answer. And the thing is, your Catholic faith provides you with the most powerful spiritual resources possible to a human being. The most spiritual thing you can do in your whole life at any time is to assist at the holy sacrifice of the Mass and to approach the communion rail and receive our Lord Jesus Christ, who is God, into yourself and spend that time, those 10 minutes or 15 minutes that he's in you, making the best thanksgiving possible. That is what ultimately makes people spiritual, the best means for making people have a deep spiritual life. To the degree that you make holy and worthy communions, to that degree you become more spiritual and less material. And there there have been a few, um, I would say, blessed Families in our community who have begun to attend daily mass because of the trials of this year between the coronavirus and the crisis in our country. And those are the families who have understood that we are really in a spiritual war here. And you have to use spiritual means as a result to fight that war. And our hope, I hope, my hope, is that the fears, And concerns that we've had in this year may lead our families to be more spiritual than they have in the past that you as families will be able to look out into the world and say we need to go to mass more often than we have in the past we need to show up for mass on time we need to be very punctual with, with re- reciting our daily rosary. Perhaps I should spend some time each day in doing some spiritual reading or perhaps doing a 10-minute meditation because that's the only answer, that's the only ultimate answer to the problems that I'm seeing in the world around us. What we want as a Catholic community is an army not of soldiers and politicians. We want an army of holy families and an army of Catholic priests, nuns, and monks who go out there and spiritualize the world just as the Benedictines did in their own time in, in the 600s when the world was in a, in a severe crisis of barbarianism. This is exactly what Archbishop Lefebvre dreamed about and what led him to found the Society of St. Pius X. And this is, as I say, what you have to dream about When you're raising your families, you have this vision of uh, uh, being a very Catholic and very holy family, inspiring your children to spiritual works, to the imitation of that holy life that you yourself are living. Our world is in a very big mess. It's sunk into that deep pit of materialism, and the only thing that's going to save it is an army of people leading that deeply spiritual life, living those three theological virtues that the collect of today's Mass asks God to increase in our souls. If you want to assist your country in the best way possible, there's only one way to do it. You have to pursue holiness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.